Welcome to Day Zero Update for November 26, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Janra Victorio. And yeah, we are back from a holiday weekend here, uh, mm-hmm. eating food and all that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and not much happened. Nope. Uh, a lot of the industry took a, took a break this week. We don't have much news to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some acquisitions news here. Uh, and we got oh, yeah. an update on what's been going on with the television Amica, the subject mm-hmm. that everybody is excited about. Uh, this is also a good time to remind everybody about the uh, video H Bomber guy did on Tommy Tallarico. So, yeah, since that is inevitably going to be related to this, yeah, and uh, and we also got some uh, NSO Plus expansion pack news. A new game is coming to the service, but we don't know when. Just not right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quite not the game, one of the ones they've announced previously. Yep. It's a weird place we're at with that service. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that stuff, we'll talk about what we've been playing now. Uh, and I'll kick it off here. I've been playing some Persona 5 Tactica on Game Pass. Uh, and it's pretty neat, but it's definitely got extreme Persona spinoff vibes. Mm-hmm. As it's... Uh, the story is basically... They've done whatever they've done at the end of the the main game, and they're just kind of hanging out to the at the the, the coffee shop. Mm. Uh, and at a certain point, just notice like something's changed. I think when they try to leave, they find out that they are in a different world, different reality, not the the metaverse or the metaverse they know, uh, anything like that. So they're kind of just wondering what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. As uh, they aren't in their, uh, in their phantom thief outfits initially, uh, though when they run into uh, uh, some bad dudes, uh, the minions of the main villain, at least early on, uh, Lady Marie, spell like Marie, but they pronounce it in the Japanese way, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird. But she is kind of a a queen of hearts type figure who mm-hmm. is able to uh, use her ability to charm people to her side. Mm-hmm. Um, and she managed to do that to a bunch of the phantom thieves mm. uh, and kind of causes some chaos. there, leaving Morgana and your character uh, to escape uh, this whole wild situation that's happening early on mm-hmm. uh, as they sort of teach the, the basic mechanics of the uh, the the strategy RPG stuff that seems it seems like uh, maybe a bit of say an a Nipponichi strategy game and the Mario mm-hmm. and Rabbits games uh, or XCOM as mm-hmm. you want to call it because uh, they got the the half full cover system there, um, but your characters don't move on a grid uh they kind of move mm-hmm. freely and you kind of uh within a, a circle uh around there around them and you kind of perch them up against uh cover uh that kind of stuff and if you're under full cover enemies won't be able to hit you at all um half cover there's like a reduced yeah. chance of getting hit um and they do introduce kind of the a uh, system for running up to an enemy and attacking them to knock them out of cover. Uh, kind of what you mm-hmm. could do in the Mario and Rabbids games. 
Um, though it's not as like fun and you know kind of kinetic as that is, you just run up and hit them mm-hmm. and kind of knock them out. Uh, you do have uh, a basic persona for your character. I don't know that you're going to get mm. like a bunch of them. Um, they remark that you know you don't have your you know zero ability to okay. uh, capture a bunch like. Uh, but uh, everybody has their basic stuff, so Morgana is able to use like wind powers uh, for for your skills mm. kind of stuff. But your character has this like area AOE tech. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and yeah, you're just kind of doing a bunch of attacks. Um, mm-hmm. they they do start adding some more wrinkles once you get to your first like actual mission. Um, and that's where you're kind of doing a series of battles as part of progressing the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of neat. Uh, it's smaller battles, like three or four, I think, is what I did. But that's mm-hmm. where they kind of introduce you to more mechanics where. Uh, with uh, the three characters you have early on, because you run into a character named Irina, who is sort of a person that's been in this world for a while, has dealt with this uh, Lady Marie, mm-hmm. and has sort of revealed herself as part of the resistance that is trying to take her down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you kind of find out like, oh, the the base for this resistance is their version, their mirror version of the cafe. Uh, that you were hanging out in earlier. And that's kind of where you're hanging out, uh, doing any skill upgrades and that kind of stuff uh, between fights and doing a lot of your talking. Uh, They have conversations that you can do between characters, that kind of stuff. Uh, So it, that's where you get a lot of your story stuff. Uh, In persona fashion, you'll be just doing a lot of talking uh, early on and seeing some cutscene stuff. Uh, but with more action than you usually have in these games. So, yeah, it's it's pretty solid. They build up some more mechanics. Like, you get a point where you can essentially have the, the three characters in a triangle formation, and you can do more powerful attacks against the enemies that are within that kind of stuff um, as you're trying to rescue the rest of the crew. Uh, where I'm at, it's about two or so hours in. I was... Uh, I rescued uh, Lady Anne and Futaba, I think. Uh, I think we're going to rescue them in chunks. I think we're going to get them all pretty quickly by the end of the the first chunk of the game. But yeah, that seems like the way it's going to go as you resist this. I don't know if she is the main villain of the the whole game or if if like Persona 5, it's different ones for different areas kind of stuff. I'm still trying to figure that out, but it seems pretty solid so far. Definitely a good choice to play on Game Pass mm. as you uh, don't need to you know, pay for it up front. So that's been a pretty nice game to check out. And mm. uh with cool. the yeah, with the uh and the funny thing is I don't I haven't played more than like ten hours of persona, so like the, the main first four people you get. So like half of this cast, I don't know who they are. Mm. I know Futaba because gotcha. I've seen people talking about her a lot. But this all feels very like Dragon Ball Z movie of like finding a bunch of other people just showed up. Mm-hmm. After I missed some chunk of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have a quick question though. I'm not sure if you'd be able to answer it. What's that? So you said that the game takes place like right after 
you know, the main stuff in Persona 5. Do you know? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you actually finished Royal, but does it consider Royal, or are we just talking Persona 5? I don't know. I've not okay. beaten Persona Fair 5 enough. or Royal. Uh, they're just, like, hanging out very casually in the cafe. And they're like, and the, the main plot seems to revolve, at least initially, this politician that has disappeared. Mm. Uh, okay. Which you find in the, the, the mirror world. He knows who your crew is, the Phantom Thieves, at least by name. And that's so that they're a bunch of, you know, high school kids. Um, he's very much like, I don't condone anything you've been doing. This, mm. this anarchy life you've been leading, taking down powerful people. Uh, cause you know, he's a politician and all that, but mm. yeah, I don't know. Like timeline wise where it takes place. Okay. Yeah. Because like, I, uh, obviously I thoroughly enjoyed Persona 5. Uh, I also really enjoyed Persona 5 Strikers and Persona 5 Dancing in Moonlight. But the problem with, uh, Strikers was, um, it didn't, uh, really, t- it, Royal didn't exist in, in, in that world. Uh, and that game came out after Royal. So that was a little disappointing, but I don't know what Tactica will say. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The, the Shimigami Tensei stuff says oh. takes place during the events of Persona 5. Uh, have gathered on a snowy day in Cafe LeBlanc preceding their graduation ceremony. Suddenly go through a strange tremor as the door of LeBlanc emits suspicious light. So I don't know where the graduation ceremony part of it is. They mm. are kind of talking about, like, oh, you're going to go away soon. So I assume it's near the end of the school year, mm-hmm. uh, late in that game. But yeah, they don't really, they don't really talk too much about main story stuff, as far as I can see. Just that you have everybody in there. You can look at the the wiki page for who's all in it. Yeah. Maybe that'll give you a clue. I'll put that in the studio chat for you. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty solid for it's one of these games. So yeah. that's been neat. Um, with the Black Friday sale stuff going on, I picked up Wizard with a Gun, mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of the recent Devolver Digital games I've been keeping an eye on, and it's on sale for twenty bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. Played a couple hours of it. It's pretty much what I expected from the demo, where you kind of have a "Don't Starve" ish mm-hmm. kind of uh, strategy, uh, or not strategy, but a roguelike survival roguelike kind of going on here. Um, Though instead of it being based in the world, your survival stuff, your all your crafting and all that you're doing is mm. in the tower that is outside of time, as you're sort of hurriedly sort of recruited into this wizard guild of sorts is trying to undo the damage of this chaos mm. that is ending the world, and you're doing that by uh, going back in time and trying to figure out ways to potentially stop the world from ending. Mm. Um, And each time, and you're just going back into the world for five or so minutes at a time. Um, As you defeat, chaos will sometimes spawn into there in like a a teleport uh, circle that shows up. You can destroy it before it uh, brings any enemies out. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you get like a, a thing that extends the timer a bit. Uh, fills it back up again mm. so you can kind of keep yourself out there for longer if you want but also a lot of the a lot of the, the crafting tables and skill trees and such that you see you know new certain kinds of materials and so you're like well i want to go do this so 
I want to go back out and, you know, rewind things and try to get some of this uh, as you're going. So you're kind of doing a lot. Um, if you reach zero on the timer, mm-hmm. uh, it does not end the game right there. It's mm-hmm. more like the chaos is just spawning all over the map. So you're trying to get to the door mm-hmm. uh, and get back to the tower kind of thing. So you're not doing um, anything crazy there, but you can kind of stay out a bit and fight enemies and get more of the, uh, uh, what do they call it? There's another currency you get from defeating the, the chaos enemies. Um, and that's another thing you can collect as you do things. Um, but yeah, you're kind of going back to the tower, uh, doing your upgrades, crafting new weapons, or just crafting more bullets for your guns as you get different types of guns. Uh, you initially have just like a basic bullet. Then you get fire and uh, ice and poison and, you know, a bunch of different kinds like that. There's like charm bullets that cool. if you shoot them at enemies, uh, they will, you know, start fighting for you for a bit. Uh, that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're kind of messing around with all this, kind of gradually unlocking stuff and building up those weapons and uh, bullets and all that kind of stuff. Then there's four types of guns. There's like a basic pistol, a shotgun that has two uh, ammo in it. Uh, so yeah. you can have two different kinds. There's like a blunderbuss in there. And I think there's like an SMG. So that's kind of the the range of weapons, but uh, enemies drop guns all the time. So uh, you don't necessarily have to uh, play with anyone and you kind of change out the, the bullets at any time as well, as long as you have yeah. that stuff researched and, Unlocked so you can swap them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you can kind of get some guns with ammo type that you can't do anything with and just kind of keep it as like a, a backup thing. But you can also turn all that extra crap into some of the currency stuff. So, um, but yeah, you get a, a book that can scan stuff that lets you bring uh, a lot of the uh, types of decorative stuff you find around back to your tower to build out, you know, aesthetically how things work. But maybe the, the one issue I have is that um, if you put some of your stuff in chests, the crafting tables have to be within a certain range of it to access the stuff in there. Um, whereas I think you just should like Minecraft style, if it's within, you know, a general range, like pretty wide range, it just pulls everything in. Because uh, there's times I'm looking around like, oh, I could do this, but I'm short on this one thing that's in this chest that's over here. It shows you like a a line of like what can pull from the chest, but it's literally like within a couple of blocks. Mm. Uh, nothing that's super uh, far reaching. So, yeah, I end up having to spend a lot of time with inventory management that kind of uh, makes it a little more tedious. But uh, other than that, it's been a lot of fun just kind of running back in and out uh, in a very good fashion of just, I need to go get this. So I'll just go out for a run for a bit and do that. And as you go, there's enemies that have gears Mm. for the, uh, the clock thing you're using to turn back time. And so you're kind of building that up to go back further. Uh, And so that's kind of a, a thing you're building up as well. So yeah, it's one of those kind of games where you're doing a lot of, crafting and skill tree navigation stuff 
mm. uh, with all the various materials you get. Uh, but it does have kind of the the vibe of a don't starve, but if you had guns in that game. Mm. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. So there's that. Uh, I've been playing more Euro Truck Simulator 2. Um, I finished up the, the event for the Balkans DLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, got my last job in Albania. I was yeah. mostly at night, so I didn't get to look at much of the environment around. Yeah. Uh, but they did just put out uh, big updates for Euro Truck and American Truck. Mm. So that's, uh, I think some of the things they did is they've uh, overhauled the sky, uh, uh, the sky boxes to have more variety in types of skies. So that's mm. and just sunny or rainy. Uh, there's more variety there. And especially when it gets stormy, mm-hmm. uh, there's actual storms now. It's not just rain. Uh, I was driving around at nights uh, with some good thunder and lightning going on. That was pretty good. Uh, so some stuff like that they've added in as well as like, I guess there should be like used truck dealers now. So mm. if you want to buy trucks with some miles on them uh, for potentially less than what you'd have to pay for brand new models, that's mm. potentially a thing now. Uh, so mm. that's neat. But yeah, um, I'm trying to see what else they have. Yeah. Yeah. Better looking moons and that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's, uh, some nice upgrades they've done there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, looking forward to later this week on the 30th, uh, they're releasing new DLC for American Truck Simulator with, uh, uh, what was it, Kansas. Mm. One of the great states in the U.S. that everybody loves to think about. But yeah, that's that. Uh, let's see, I played some of the recent PS Plus, PS1, and PSP games. I did a stream with that. Uh, Jet Moto. I don't think it holds up super well. Yeah. Um, it's it's a game sort of like uh wave race in a in a sense. Yeah. Um but you're playing as like a hover bike mm-hmm. that doesn't really control well. It seems like it doesn't control you know well enough that they had to add this whole magnetic grappling hook thing mm. to let you get easier tight turns. Mm-hmm. But you also have to be um, careful with that because you can swing yourself right into the boundaries and kill yourself. There's lots of obstacles that'll just get you crash in that kind of stuff. So that is going to be uh, a big issue. There is a lot of licensing in that that I didn't realize was in that one. Mm. That it was in like two and three that they did a lot of that. But there's Mountain Dew for sure, and there's lots of Nestle advertising, as you mm. expect from extreme sports. Nestle, uh, Crunch, and mm. Butterfinger, and all that. Uh, all of it. Butterfinger makes more sense. Nestle Crunch, not really. Um, and there's some other brands in there that I don't. Yeah, I don't remember being big brands at all, but probably ones they could probably get easily. Mm. But yeah, you have teams for each of those uh, the four main brands mm-hmm. uh, that have different racers in them, different stats, and all that stuff. And to unlock tracks, you have to beat the campaigns. Uh, or the seasons, which are just three races. Uh, you have to do well enough to finish first, which I was not doing well at all in that game. So luckily I looked up uh, cheat codes and unlocked all the tracks that way. Mm. And they have some some wild stuff that... There's one that just has a bunch of like floating tracks in the air, and it's real easy to go flying off uh, off the track. 
uh, especially when you're using boost. So that's uh, a whole fun thing. The the first few they give you is like one's on a a beach area, and the others are in like the bayou, mm-hmm. lots of swampy areas that have random chunks of like wood hang, you know, sticking out uh, of the of the the water. That kind of stuff, real annoying stuff. So yeah, that's maybe one that doesn't hold up very well. Um, Grandia uh, is also on there. That's that's a, a pretty solid JRPG for its time. That's uh, a tough one to play on a stream because it takes took me 40 minutes to get to combat. Mm. And that was with a guide helping me skip the side stuff you could do. Mm. So that's... Uh, but that's one of the first of the, of the genre that had the sort of timeline manipulation stuff, mm. uh, you know, that you would see in like Final Fantasy X. That uh, has your attacks kind of uh, pushing uh, your attacks and kind of having to wait before they can go into effect. Uh, so a little bit like active time battle, but not as simple. It's mm. a little more complicated, but not too much. But uh, that's a pretty solid JRPG if you have not played that yet. Uh, then I played Up, the game, uh, the PSP game version of it, mm-hmm. uh, where you're playing as both uh, Russell the Kid and I forget what the old guy's name is, uh, Ed Asner's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, a basic sort of co-op plat- platformer where you're switching back and forth between the characters. Because one can do certain things and the other can do other things, and you need to swap back and forth. And it's your basic kind of collectible platformer where it's like there's eight pictures that fell out of the house that the Ed Asner character wants. So you try and collect those uh, and they have some weird competition between the two of either smushing spiders or collecting spiders mm-hmm. uh, that show up every once in a while on the stage. And that's just like a running tally that keeps going. Uh, doesn't matter which one you're controlling. You just have yours, of whether you're doing the, smushing or the, the collecting kind of thing. Um, that game's just annoying. It's not very good. Uh, yeah. Not because it's a PSP game. It's just not a very good game. Yeah. Uh, There's a certain point where I ran into a, a picture I needed to collect, but there's like a, a trap, a net trap, and it told me to do a thing, yeah. and I was doing it, and I could never get past it. Uh, and I was like, all right, screw this game. I'm done. Yeah. So that's up. It's okay. It's not worth really checking out. Mm. Uh, and then Gravity Crash Portable, which is uh, the PSP port of the, the PS3, PSN game that is basically like a new age Gravatar mm-hmm. um, that is a very cool little game where you're flying the ship around. You have physics to it as well as you know some other stuff, but uh, you're trying to you know smoothly land on the ground to collect uh, uh, people that need rescued and you're shooting at enemies and all that kind of stuff uh, and blowing up things on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, enemy structures and these crystals that you collect to fill up your fuel meter, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. So you're going through different stages doing, you know, whatever the main thing they need you to do. So uh, that's a pretty solid game. And uh, that's one worth checking out. And the the other thing I got out of Black Friday, like my big splurge thing, is I got a four terabyte SSD for my PS5 that I got yesterday. Came in the mail yesterday. And I installed it and I've been downloading most of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to queue up downloads for everything I purchased 
uh, for PS5 stuff. Mm. Uh, managed to get, I mostly did it alphabetically in terms of it queuing up the downloads. Now I'm in the S's right now, so uh, should be done overnight uh, or tomorrow when I get home from work. So that's good. Don't have to worry about deleting stuff as much uh, for a while because uh, four terabytes is a lot. I uh, got that for about two twenty nine, uh, which was like sixty percent off. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty good purchase for me. So uh, that's been it for me. So Brandon, what have you been doing? Uh, well, I finished um, Alan Wake two, and uh, yeah, let's just say that game basically ends in just the best possible way. It also ends on kind of a cliffhanger, like the first one did. Um, so it's obviously supposed to, like, they're, they're obviously planning for a sequel and they're also more than likely going to have DLC for it as well, because there's a bunch of stuff that they reference in this game in and around that seem to suggest that they're probably going to start bringing in some of the characters from control at some point. So, you know, director Jesse Fadden might show up at some point. She makes like a very brief like extremely brief cameo appearance in the game if you know where to look but uh like the 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 federal bureau of control is like in the game they're they send one of their agents to you and they actually have like a research facility out near um cauldron lake that you end up coming across sort of fairly early in the game um but yeah it's an amazing game um definitely a game of the year contender for sure for me at least um but uh, on top of that, I've also been playing uh, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove still, um, and I finished the King Knight, uh, you know, part of that game, well, of that collection. Um, and what's funny about that game is it, te- it like, basically, like, as far as, like, the timeline is, it takes place, like, just before the beginning of Shovel Knight does, Um in fact, the game specifically ends at the moment where Shovel Knight, you know, Shovel Knight, you know, bursts into King Knight's throne room, you know, in the original game. And um, yeah, it's like it's you basically sort of see his journey, like why he's such a prick and all this stuff. And yeah, it's it's surprisingly good. It, it, I am so like surprised how often that. Um, how often that Yacht Club was able to take the basic Shovel Knight formula and somehow manage to, like, juggle it and remix it in a way that made it interesting and fun enough to go through four different games. Um, And every one of them are worth playing. They've all got, you know, great little, uh, you know, sort of bents on the gameplay, on lore, on... All kinds of neat stuff, but uh, yeah, now I have to do, the last one I have to do is the Spectre Knight one, and that one's particularly difficult because um, his primary moveset revolves around him uh, walking up walls to sort of get up high if he needs to, but it's not terribly consistent on how high he can run before he has to jump off. Um, And the other one is he has kind of like a ninja type move where he can sort of like teleport and then slash up or down depending on a target out in midair, depending on the angle you're going at it. And it can be used as like a second jump. But if you're not careful, you can very easily like end up slashing downward, which will completely mess up your momentum. But um, 
yeah, that's basically what I've been playing. So, Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, uh, for me, primarily, it's been Super Mario RPG. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I uh, got it last week, and as I mentioned, uh, it would be the first time that I'd play through the game. So, I am very near the ending, um, I believe. Like, I- I'm at that point where you have to go through the six doors and go through the random challenges in order to get to the end, which I'm assuming is mm-hmm. uh, uh, the big baddie. And, yeah, like, it's crazy seeing all these surprises that I I never would have expected. Like, um, when I when I stopped playing, or, like, whenever my game stopped working for me back in the day, um, it was always around the time when you unlock Bowser as a playable character for your party. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I didn't. I didn't know that Peach was a playable character. I was like, "Oh crap!" Yep, I thought Peach this whole. I thought this, character. Yeah, I thought this whole thing was about saving her. So you know, I was dead wrong yeah. there. And like, yeah. it's just amazing um, knowing that this was a quite the blind spot in my gaming mm-hmm. career. Even though I'm, I'm a big RPG guy. Obviously, I'm a big Nintendo guy. And like, this game really, you know, set the standard for a lot of like Mario uh, quips we see today. Like, um, I don't think there's ever been a time where Bowser was, like, as insane as he is in this game prior to its release. Like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's he's pretty stupid in, in Mario Party and uh, the the future Paper Mario games. But Bowser was always just, like, some sort of menacing King Koopa prior to this. So it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing to see. Um, obviously, you know, uh, especially with the, with the Mario RPG games, uh, Princess Peach has never really been much of a damsel in distress. And I thought that was the case with this game, but no, you know, after you use her, it's like, this game is the game that, uh, you know, gave her a frying pan and a parasol as a weapon. And like yeah. seeing these things in, th- in games like Mario Golf is uh, uh, just, just, just really surprising. And or like I can in, totally... Uh, well, that and in Smash Brothers. Don't forget Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, obviously Smash Brothers, but like, obviously Smash Brothers got that from this, right? Yeah. So... Like it's it's just crazy to see that you know all of these like nuances from mm. Mario from a storytelling standpoint and like these characters that we know and love all came from this. Like mm-hmm. you know prior to this, Mario was just a platformer, and uh, obviously with uh, Square Enix handling a lot of the or Square Soft back then handling mm. a lot of development, it's really crazy seeing how uh, how fleshed out they made like they made these these uh, lovable characters and. Um, Going through the, the 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 stories of Mallow and Gino have uh, really been cool too. Um, like you know, Gino being uh, some kid's toy, and then Mallow mm-hmm. all of a sudden like, oh, he's like the prince of this kingdom that he totally forgot about somehow, which they haven't really like gone over. It's like it's like okay, he knows he's the prince, but it, he doesn't actually it doesn't actually like uh, give me any detail about how he knows who his parents are aside from the fact that oh, they're missing a prince. But you know, uh, plot hole aside, like. The game, uh, the thing that really sets this uh, uh, game apart is the fact of um, how funny it is, and mm-hmm. um, it's cool that they were able to just, you know, uh, do it again in, in, in such an updated way. And it's funny knowing that Nintendo sort of like hid the developer uh, until its um, release. So the game was developed by Arda Piazza, mm-hmm. and they're uh, primarily known for doing a lot of art and um, animation work for the Dragon Quest games, and. Mm-hmm. Looking at Makes the Wikipedia, sense. for example, they're, they're, the game that they did uh, prior to this was Romancing Saga 3 and um, mm-hmm. Dragon Quest XI-S, Echoes of an Elusive Age. Uh, and then with Dragon Quest XI, they primarily did the 2D mode, which nobody really expected um, from that game in general because Dragon Quest XI was already classical in its own right. And, you know, mm-hmm. scaling, things even, uh, scaling things down even more for the 2D mode just made it uh, a whole lot more special in that regard. 
and it actually made the Dragon Quest XI worth playing because if you've played through Dragon Quest XI, it's a really long game. So you know, mm-hmm. uh, thinking of like going from three D to two D, you know, at will is uh, pretty amazing. So Arda Piazza did a wonderful job with this game, and it's interesting seeing how, um, you know, back then SquareSoft was primarily known for uh, Final Fantasy. So knowing that you know it was primarily the Enix side that took over the development of this game is uh, pretty spectacular in my opinion. And you know maybe we'll see like uh, better stuff in the future. But again, like Dragon Quest has pretty much enjoyed equal fame on the Nintendo and PlayStation side. And I really enjoyed those games on the DS in particular because that was how I ended up rediscovering them. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, uh, I'll be finishing this game very very soon and. Uh, Looking forward to uh, jumping into what's next. But that's about it. Mm. All right, let's get to some news here. We got a new game coming to NSO Plus Expansion Pack, Jet Force Gemini uh, mm-hmm. for the N64. Uh, all they're saying is December for when it will yeah. be out. So could be as soon as this Friday or as late as uh, uh, New Year's Eve. They probably won't do that, but probably within the next couple of weeks here, they'll put it out at some point. But yeah, this is one of those uh, rare N64 games that probably most people didn't pay attention to compared to say uh, GoldenEye or Donkey Kong 64 Mm. or, you know, stuff like that. Um, And yeah, a lot of people probably have it now as a part of rare replay on the Xbox one uh, where, you know, they've done uh, a good bit of work. Making it play on you know a modern controller and looking better and all that, but you'll get the the vintage version on the on the NSO mm. here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I never got much of a chance to play Jet Force Gemini on Rare Replay, um, mm. but like when I did, I remember it being a huge problem because it didn't really translate well to the Xbox controller. No, primarily because that game really made extensive use of the C buttons. And mm-hmm. mapping the C buttons out to a current generation controller is pretty much impossible. So I don't know if Rare Replay actually like went ahead and tried to you know redo that. But you know, um, it's going to see, in my opinion, it'll see a whole lot better life with with NSO. Primarily, if you have the N64 controller option, you know, assuming mm-hmm. it's not sold out. Um, the thing is, though, um, as with Rare Replay, this game did not age very well. Um, nope. But I'm 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 wondering if like you know, it's just going to be easier to deal with on handheld than it would be on, you know, a full-on 4K 1080p TV. So mm. uh, that, that'll be interesting in that regard. But Jet Force Gemini, when it came out, even though it was underrated primarily because it came out at a time where, uh, I think the, I believe the PS2 was out? No, was it? I don't know. But like, there, there, there was something that pre- prevented uh, Jet Force Gemini from really reaching its potential, but it was... Well, it a, came out in 1999, so... There you go, yeah. So it was a pretty, like, for lack of a better term, it was a gamey-ass game. Like, if you were to describe a video game through one through, Jet Force Gemini would be it. You know, you have aliens, you have a robot dog. Um, later in the game, you can turn the dog into even more of a robot. And, like, or no, it was a real dog, but eventually, like, it, it became a tank. Like, yeah, there was a lot of cool stuff in that one. And unlike a lot of uh, what Rare did, and primarily they did, they did like, platformers and um, first-person shooters, and they were really good at first-person shooters. Like, you know, they have GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Um, Jet Force Gemini was a third-person shooter, which had some light platforming in it, and it, that wasn't really that good, but the shooting was was really fun in that game. Yeah, like, I don't know if people are going to really have, like, the patience to complete this on the uh, N64 NSO, 
But this is definitely a good get. It's just a matter of like when it's coming in December, right? So mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, this is one of those games I don't have any nostalgia for, like most N64 games. Mm. Um, but yeah, it'll be neat. But yeah, it's weird to announce this when we're still waiting for 1080 snowboarding. I think that's mm-hmm. the, the last one they have not put out that they've announced. So maybe we'll get two of those uh, in December, but I don't know. It seems uh, weird to do that. Mm. I was more of a yeah. snowboard kids guy anyway, so... Mm. Yeah, uh, I was just looking this up, and the the N sixty four controller is freely available on the the Nintendo site. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want that, uh, that is freely available. I think every time I've checked in the last few months, it's been available. So like they've solved whatever issues they had, if there were issues at all, mm. uh, getting those out there. Because uh, before they would just sell out as soon as they put up some stock on there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now if you want one, you can just get it. Fifty bucks, so pretty awesome. pricey. It's also a really, really big controller, so make sure you have the space for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there's your Nintendo news here. Uh, for next up here, Pinball M finally has a release date. It'll be out on November 30th. Here, uh, that'll be Thursday, I believe. Uh, if you don't know, Pinball M is the new pinball. Uh, platform from Zen Studios, uh, mm-hmm. primarily for like M-rated properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they have announced, let's see, there's going to be The Thing Pinball. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did they announce here? Chucky's Killer Pinball, Dead by mm-hmm. Daylight Pinball, Duke Nukem's Big Shot Pinball, and Wrath of the Elder Gods Director's Cut. Mm. I think that last one's in the, the main Zen Pinball game, but I guess they're doing a more gnarly version for this mm-hmm. one. So yeah, it's uh it's a neat little project here of doing this for like spooky, scary game type stuff. Uh sort of pinball tables that mm. typically aren't subjects you see for that kind of stuff. Mm. It's usually a lot of the mainstream, you know, Star Wars, Marvel, uh a lot of rock bands get them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Foo Fighters got a table recently. Mm. That's just weird, but that's kind of what the pinball is at this point. It's for people with lots of money and specific kinds of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. There you go. Uh, I assume it'll be a free launcher and you'll have to pay for the tables mm. uh, for that. So, you can check that out. Seems like some some neat stuff there. Mm. Uh, as well as uh, uh, our next thing here, Nipponichi. Software America announced a new game mm-hmm. uh, called Bar Stella Abyss. It's a roguelike strategy RPG uh, mm. for PS5, PS4, and Switch. Uh, it'll be out on February 29th next year in Japan, so next year is a leap year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks pretty neat from the details they've shown here. Uh, bar or uh, Stella Abyss is a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of your home base, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be able to hang out with people and talk with them and have a drink between runs. Mm. But then you're able to like take, you know, people in your party to go go do some fighting in the uh, the mirror world or whatever they're calling it, mm-hmm. the other world. I'm not yeah. sure if they have. So this is a Japanese announcement. Details are probably in one of these 
long yeah. things about uh, all these characters and systems. Mm. Uh, yeah, your character is the Wanderer. Mm-hmm. Travels around profi- this profoundly mysterious world to get back their lost face and arm. Yeah, so you you lose that in the process of this game starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going through dungeons uh, uh, with uh, a bunch of stuff in them, a bunch of floors mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that looks neat. It's different than their usual type of stuff. Um, but the, mm-hmm. the fights you're running into are turn-based strategy RPG fights. So mm-hmm. there's the, the, the part of it that's familiar to what the a lot of the stuff they make. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that looks... Uh, like a neat game, probably be out sometime next year here in the the West. Yeah, it looks fun. Yeah, I like this type of thing right up my alley. Yeah, so yeah, they also got like a special edition in Japan. It has a soundtrack CD, visual art book, special box, uh, acrylic art board. Mm-hmm. Because of course you need something like that, and yeah, yeah, the game itself. So there you go, something to keep an eye out for next year. And uh, let's see, that's it for the new game stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest of the year, we got acquisitions and such. Um, Focus Entertainment and Asobo Studio have renewed their collaboration for mm-hmm. uh, what they're calling another exciting project. After saying that the uh, the Plague Tale Requiem has reached 3 million players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no word if it's going to be a new game in that franchise or something new entirely uh could go either way but they're at least saying that they're gonna work together on their next project so mm-hmm. that could be cool to see what that turns into at some point mm-hmm. and uh yeah next up here toga productions i forget aren't they owned sobo no no they just work on i think uh flight simulator but that's all mm-hmm. uh yeah next up here Toge Productions has announced they've acquired Mojikin Studio, mm-hmm. uh, the studio behind A Space for the Unbound, mm. uh, the you know one of the better indie games of this past year. Mm. Uh, you know both Indonesian companies, so makes sense that they would want to acquire a sort of local studio that's done good work. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Still I believe that their, their name and all that. So. I believe Toge or Toj, whatever, however you pronounce it, actually published uh, Space for the Unbound. So it's a definitely a combination that makes sense, as Chris mentioned. Yeah, looking forward to what's next. Yeah, so there you go on that. Uh, next up here, uh, game director at Housemark, Harry Kruger, has announced that he is leaving the studio after 14 years. Mm. Uh, he helmed, uh, let's see, I think it's Returnal and Next Machina. Though his tenure is not necessarily all that long at the studio, because that's uh, him coming in after Super Stardust HD. So, mm. a bit of a surprise, but seems like he has done uh, a lot of cool stuff there, and he's taking time to uh, figure out what's next for himself. And yeah, he said that they are working on the, some exciting stuff. Mm. and all that so uh he's looking forward to seeing how that stuff turns out but he'll be doing that as a a separate party so um mm. uh, wish him all the best for whatever he's doing next definitely yeah definitely uh you know some sad news uh obviously the guy's a very talented director as we know a few years ago uh house mark you know made the rough decision of just 
sort of leaving arcade entirely for making, you know, third person experiences. But Returnal was a pretty much an an almost perfect marriage of the two. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know what House Mark is working on next, but if it's if it's a Returnal two or like anything of that nature, I'm sure it's gonna be super fun and I look forward to oh, it. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, I don't I don't know I don't know what Kruger's up to next, but if he's doing similar stuff or if he goes back to what he was doing before, good on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there you go for that. Uh, next up here, the Intellivision Amico. Yeah, still not dead yet. Somehow, uh, it is still around in some form, as we have mm-hmm. seen pretty recently. They have put out this thing called Intellivision Amico Home, mm-hmm. that is a phone app mm-hmm. that is a very expensive phone app. It's technically it's free, but it needs a phone or tablet to run on, and then you need to connect to it with other phones. Mm. So you need at least two phones to do anything, but uh has two games out right now, I believe, Astro Smash and Missile Command, mm-hmm. uh, with two more coming soon. And those games are not free. Uh, mm-hmm. They are... Uh, I think all of these are out on the uh, the Android app store right now mm-hmm. uh, for fourteen ninety nine each for those games, mm. uh, which is a lot of money for games that uh, I think Astro Smash or some form of that came out on Steam in the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is supposedly pretty bad. Yeah. So not too surprising that they're, they're trying to recruit some of this money as like selling these games separately yeah. elsewhere. Uh-huh. But if they're not good at all, then it's not going to draw in any money. Uh, looking at the Steam page for Astro Smash, it has nine reviews. It's been out since October 12th. And okay, there's a couple of good ones, but good reviews, but a lot of them are bad from seeing so. Yeah, uh, this is a, a weird rollout for this thing, especially as they're, you know, you might think like, oh, this should be on like a, your TV's app store mm-hmm. kind of thing and let you do this stuff through there. But no, their solution is to like do the, the Google Cast stuff to a TV uh, kind of thing to do that versus maybe releasing this on uh, places where you would have a, a screen mm-hmm. for multiple people to look at versus this hodgepodge of phones and tablets and such. Trying to do this rough approximation, you know, rough approximation of what the, the original idea was to have like a, a home base console that could run stuff on the TV that you would use these, you know, smartphone esque controllers to control the the games. But yeah, yeah, it's. Looking like whatever their idea is now, instead of putting out the the hardware they they sold to people and mm-hmm. used for funding, uh, and turned it into something very different. That's just a very poor way of doing all this. Mm-hmm. As you know, we've seen from the uh, the Jackbox Party Pack games that uh, that kind of idea of you know these phone based games uh, can be done very well, but you know these. Uh, these versions, these ways of doing that, uh, not very good ways of doing it. So 
Uh, it seems like these are some ways to ensure that you know this idea that uh, they were trying to sell initially of these you know uh, internet free games that you know wouldn't have microtransactions or need updates or anything uh, just turned into a whole shit show of wasted money and time. That yeah, it's uh, still going to be nothing that you want anything to do with. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically a money pit at this point, and it's like it's the whole you know fallacy of sunk cost. Like at some point, like I think at some of these people are like, you know, we've already dumped so much money in this, we got to see it through. But it's just not going to work out. It's gonna, it's gonna, if the, if this product does actually end up coming into existence in any meaningful way, it's going to crash and burn and it's going to lose all the money and everybody's going to try and recoup their costs and ditch. So yeah. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. This, this, this whole story is not going to happy ending. I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, the only problem I have with this article is they tie the Amico to being like the Ouya. And I'm like, the Ouya came out. Yeah. The Ouya actually existed. Yeah. It was a pretty solid system. It just, came at a point where indie games became much more of a thing on consoles and became, you know, relegated to being like a hobbyist device versus Mm -hmm. what it was initially supposed to be versus Amico having no real uh, reason to exist other than, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody bought the, the rights to all the Intellivision stuff like Tommy Tallarico and trying to make money off of that Mm -hmm. with uh, the genius idea of, being the the second coming of the Wii, mm. when people already moved on from that largely. Yep. And guess what? If they want to play the Wii, they can still play that. Yep. There are still Wiis out there. You can get them for very cheap. Yeah. If you had one, you can still just keep playing that with the mm-hmm. Wii Sports. You know, you didn't really need too many games for that system. So yeah, that's the that's what's become of the Intellivision Amico mm-hmm. at the moment. So. There you go. And our final story here, the uh, it seems like Ubisoft has been testing some sort of new uh, in-game advertising system. Mm-hmm. Uh, this seemed to essentially, uh, from the video somebody posted on Reddit, like as they were playing in, I don't know which Assassin's Creed this is. It might be Odyssey uh, or Valhalla or something. But when mm-hmm. they go to pull up the, the map screen, Instead of getting the map right away, they got a you know ad for Assassin's Creed Mirage Black Friday sale, mm-hmm. uh, and you know quickly clicked away from it and moved on with what they were doing. But yeah, kind of a an idea that makes some sense to do, but it seems like this implementation is pretty poor. Yeah, like don't keep in mind like games from especially from Ubisoft, they already do like ads in some form um or bethesda they do the same thing as well but they usually keep it fairly low-key like it's usually like off to in a corner somewhere yeah um yeah this one it just straight up like blocks out the map and you have to like actually close it out before you can see the map again which is yeah and ubisoft was basically saying like oh this was a technical error kind of thing uh, saying we have been made aware that some players encountered pop-up ads while playing certain Assassin's Creed titles yesterday. 
This is the result of a technical error that we addressed as soon as we learned of the issue. And it's like, I don't know, it seems like it went out early and people said this sucks and they turned yeah. it off. Probably. Uh, so, because it's, you know, it's advertising a Black Friday deal, not some random thing. Yeah. Like, this is something that's, you know, you would probably see when you launch an Assassin's Creed game, you know, mm. some sort of little ad in there for like, hey, you can check out this Assassin's Creed game for, mm. you know, this deal that's going on right now, that kind of stuff. Um, they've been doing that stuff for a little while now. But yeah, this seems to uh, be a whole thing of testing something out. So mm. yeah, that's uh, uh, an unsurprising thing that they would try out. Uh, though their reasoning for it is it's like a you know a bug, a technical error. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know about that. This seems very specifically set up in a way to try to you know get more eyes on Assassin's Creed Mirage. You know mm-hmm. uh, any sort of deal system that they would want to promote. Yeah, I'm not really buying what they're they're saying here. It's just a a technical error. And yeah, I guess uh, somebody put up the. Uh, the little readers added context thing on Twitter. Uh, yeah. saying this technical error was already in Assassin's Creed Odyssey four years ago. Yeah. It also appear when opening the map. Mm. And uh, this is a thing that people have seen before. Yeah. So not really a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, your unfortunate Ubisoft news of the week. So yep. that's uh, unsurprising. So yeah. And that's uh that's gonna do it for the show this week. There's just not been much going on. No, it, you know it's you know you're probably really not gonna get any serious um, news until you know Christmas really gets in the full swing. So yeah, plus yeah. we have the game of Warzone. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, we'll get uh, uh, the show wrapped up here. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Brandon Danner for joining. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a new slate of news, more more stuff to talk about. Hopefully, hopefully more than we had. Yeah, this week. Yeah, um, I assume we'll probably get some stuff. I assume we'll probably not have anything major because that'll be held for the game awards. Mm. Uh, but maybe this week will be when uh, they reveal uh, some Grand Theft Auto stuff on maybe Friday. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Uh, let me see what else is coming out here in the near future. I know one of them. Yeah, Dragon Quest Monsters, The Dark Prince for the Switch is out on Friday, and SteamWorld Build is also out on Friday. So uh, those are uh, the next two kind of big-ish games. And then Avatar Frontiers of Pandora uh, releases on the Game Awards show day. So that's kind of the the last of the big releases for this uh, coming month. But there'll be plenty of indie stuff coming out, so mm-hmm. more stuff for you to check out uh, mm-hmm. on the on the uh, smaller game front. So, yeah. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, people let friends and family know they should check it out and select strangers that uh, also had a good holiday weekend and looking forward to uh, it being Christmas time here in yeah. barely four weeks. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Have a good one.